0: Hello and welcome to Let's Go Back to Line of Duty. We just had to. It is the biggest television show of 2021. One of the biggest British television shows of recent time. My name is Owen Sheehan. I'm not a Line of Duty fan, but do not worry. Sue Murphy is the biggest Line of Duty fan I know. How are you, Sue?
1: <laughs> I feel like you're doing yourself a deserves there because I think, if you, I think if you were watching it, you'd really like it. I know you haven't got to it yet. It's been a very busy sports here. Um, but it is one of the like, I think it took everyone by surprise because I think everyone thought it was not just another procedural cop British drama. And it was just so much more than that. And I think Jed Mercurio knew where he was going with the story and knew what he wanted to do with it. And I think that's rare, um, especially mm-hmm. when you're writing something that's over six, seven series. It's very hard to tie all the, the, the storylines together. But um, yeah, it's just such a huge hit.
0: I'm not going to bullshit people today and pretend to like be and knowledgeable person on line of duty i'm not going to go along with trying to bluff it i would have tried to bluff it if there was only like four <laughs> episodes maybe or maybe one season but there's just too many seasons at this point other short seasons and i just didn't have enough time so we've called in a few experts three experts three international experts on uh, on the podcast today so i'm taking a back seat this is a pretty special moment though for our podcast i mean let's go back to teaming up with uh, another phenomenal culture podcast
1: Yes, Shrine of Duty and I, I like Shrine of Duty really plugged a gap for me because I don't know, like when you're watching Line of Duty, it's actually very hard to keep track of the storylines and everyone that's evolved and they assume you're not stupid. So when they're talking about a character, they assume that you know about that character and they know exactly what you're talking about. So when you re- listen to Shrine of Duty, they do this amazing recap at start for about 20 minutes and you're like oh, I understand what happened now in all of that episode and I don't need to write it all down anymore. And I think they were really, and they were very much watching the show along with everyone watching it, which was quite nice and going through all the theories. And um, so it was good to, like it was Brendan, Rebecca and Hannah and they are like, They just work so well together as well. They bounce off each other so well. So there's like a large portion of this podcast where I'm not talking at all and they're just talking to each other. (laughs) Um, But it works really well. They just, they love that show. They've watched every episode about three times each minimum. So they're experts, absolute experts.
0: Hannah, Rebecca and Brendan of BBC Breakfast fame, of course. And that's what I say when this is a truly, truly international podcast. Uh, we're fortunate to have them on, Sue. So I presume that uh, this is one for for the line of duty, hardcore listeners. But should we stay tuned, the rest of us? Should we, should we should we dive into this line of duty world, some of us who aren't overly familiar with it?
1: Don't do it unless you've seen it. I know that's going to exclude like, a shitload alert, of audience. And I'm literally, well, we're not here, but it's just... There are so many complicated plotlines, lines and it does give a lot away at the final episode. And if you haven't seen it or you're just catching up, you will be extremely disappointed. So this is a spoiler warning.
0: The flip side is if you're into Line of Duty, this is the greatest moment of all time because uh Shrine of Duty is growing by what's well, 33% so over the course of the, the next little while. They're adding a fourth member in for a very <laughs> special episode of Let's Go Back to Sue uh, best of luck and I'm really looking forward to this even though it's going to be loads of spoilers but I plan on forgetting them immediately after I listen to them this is let's go back to line of duty
2: all of these suspicious deaths were orchestrated by one officer in particular H the fourth man
3: what's going on air will secure the suspect
1: I've listened. Obviously, I'm madly and typically listens to your podcast the second you release it every week. But I, see. <laughs> I love it. But the thing that you keep coming back to all the time is it's the best show on television. And I really want to know why you think it's the best show on television, or what is it particularly about and Judy that is amazing.
4: I think there's a few things involved in that. I think it's that it's like ye olden times. You have to wait every Sunday and sit down at the same time as everyone else and watch it, unless you've been quick and clever enough to do a series record, Uh, which I know a lot of people have done because they want to binge it. But I like the the new slash old novelty of having to wait a week, sit down, watch it on Sunday with everyone else. It's also just really well-written television. It's really well-acted. It's complicated. You cannot scroll on your phone. You've got to give it your full attention. Um... Yeah. And it's just, I, I also love for me, what I love as well is that every season you're looking for these clues that link back to a previous season. And I love trying to spot stuff that they're going to hook back into.
1: Yeah, like I, I, I totally agree with you. Say it because the other thing about like watching it back is, I'm, I actually watched Line of Duty season three, one of the episodes of season three first, and I was like, what, what, who are all these people? What is going on? Like, it really doesn't like it assumes you're intelligent, and it doesn't want. That's what I love about it. I don't know if you guys feel the same way.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. Like he's created a world. Um, and I think it's a couple of things like Jeb McCurio, the writer and creator, has spoken before about casting working class actors. And I think there's a great diversity of accents and of backgrounds and it feels real. All of the show, it's kind of Midsommar all of the shows um, issues have happened in Edge Park which is this made-up place in the Midlands. And it feels like a real place. Like when Ted was kicked out of his home, he was in the Edge Park Hotel and someone was in the Edge Park train station and then all this sort of stuff. So I just think it feels very real. And then what Brendan touched on, there's always a mystery to solve. Everything is connected. You can read so much into it. Like if you want to be obsessed with this show, there's enough there to keep your obsession going on and on and on. And a lot of other shows will just run out of lore really quickly, but just this one doesn't. And it's the best.
1: Yeah. How do you feel about it, Rob? Why is it your favourite show? I mean,
2: it's just gripping from the get-go. <laughs> the characters are just, you can't figure them out. They're morally ambiguous. There's so much action. Your heart's in your mouth when you're watching. You need to pay so much attention to detail. And you're just trying to figure out, you're like, is that a Jed Herring? Is that person coming back? Who is that hairy man? Who's that person <laughs> from series one? <laughs> I mean. Man. You I'd be up all night thinking about it. And I love the people who watch line of duty because they're all really intelligent, but they're also a bit
1: bonkers. Like we all get into it a little bit too much. I have to say, like I, I got to because I actually texted, I can't remember. I think it was Rebecca had it up on her Instagram and I was like I hope you have a big wall with all of the pictures all over it. But I was like, getting to that point where I was, I can't, I'm in such a maze. I felt like I had to take it down at the end. And that's what I loved about your pod. It was just like the recaps. Once you got to the end of the recap, you're like, right, I now remember everything that happens and why it's important. <laughs> um, just for the I really want to know about your favorite episodes. Um, what what is your favorite episode of I of Duty?
4: This is going to be quite easy, Sue. I don't know if you're <laughs> going to be disappointed, but we all have the exact same favourite episode. Oh my
1: God. I'm really curious yeah. now. Because I hope it's it the same is... as mine.
4: What, well, what's yours?
1: Mine is the Dot episode season Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the
4: same. We're all, we're all singing one. off the same hymn sheet. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's amazing. I watched it last night again, and I think it was about whatever, like I watched it live and it was out live. So that's about three years ago. And I just got to the end and I started crying. My husband was like, what are you crying about? And I was like, because now I feel sorry for Dot and I didn't feel that way about it before. But like,
3: <laughs> I just think it's like stood the test of time, you know? It's so re-watchable. Like, you yeah. know what's going to happen. We've all watched it a million times. Like I've probably, I'm not exaggerating now. I'd say I've watched that episode 15 times. <laughs> and when the urgent exit required text happens and he runs... And Vicky McClure, who plays Kate, is running after him, hops on the side of a lorry, and then there's a major shootout. And then he dies, and you think it's all over, but hang on a second, he's going to reveal what's going to set up the next three seasons. Like, how are you joking? It's literally the best thing ever, and my adrenaline still goes, and I feel like now I'm going to have to watch it tonight. Now I'm thinking about it again. (laughs) It just keeps on giving. and like that. There's so many ways that you can watch all the little looks between the characters and there's so much ambiguity written into it that you could watch that once and feel sorry for Dot. You could watch it again next week and hate him for what he did. And I think that's what makes it so rewatchable.
4: Yeah, I've watched that episode back a few times. I don't think quite as many times as Canada, but I've watched on rewatching that episode. I have looked at Kate with so much suspicion. There were looks that she gives there are things that she doesn't do questions that she doesn't ask that makes me so suspicious of her in that episode.
3: Yeah. I, like, I, I, I need
2: to rewatch it again. I didn't get that at all. Okay. Yeah. Now like I do again. yeah oh. Jesus.
3: Yeah. Thanks, Brendan.
4: <laughs> you're welcome.
3: And um, the
1: glass in the glass box. I totally saw that as well. Like, cause you're not quite sure which side she's on or who she's playing.
4: And yeah. right
1: up to the, like, can I just say something Totally stupid though You know Do the NC. Never. <laughs> we say stupid out. stuff
4: All yeah. the time that's
1: The, the podcast. podcast is ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> Do you know when you just Forget things About it Like Dot When he gets shot At the end I was convinced Your man was actually Trying to shoot him I forgot that he had, Like that's obviously A massive plot point That he pushed Kate Out of the way Like <laughs> Yeah, and I completely yeah. forgot that happened. I was obviously tra- so traumatized at that stage, I was like, I can't actually take no to. <laughs>
3: but if you're on the side of thinking Kate is bent, and a lot of people are like, we get so many emails in the podcast with theories that Kate is bent to this day, up right up until this season, he could have been pushing the top dog out of the way to save her because she was number one. Like, there's so many ways to look at that moment,
1: yeah. Like, it is, it's just incredible TV, like, but the. The other thing I was thinking about was the Fairbank stuff that's in it. It's just, he is just horrible. And the, the way he faces up to Kate, I completely forgotten that bit where he comes out of the, he comes out of the office after he's been questioned and he's like, you think you're going to get me now and you're not going to get me. And he's so intimidating. And, I kind of liked that reminder because obviously you just watch season six, you're like this guy, I forgot how much of a prick this guy was because he's so diddery in the last series, you know? Yeah. And
2: he's pretending to forget from that series. I mean, now I don't know. I watched the latest season and I do think that he genuinely has lost his memory, but he's acting dumb in, in series three. And yeah, it's, it's absolutely shocking, but that whole uh, scenario with Kate and Dot and everything, Case figures out the whole case because her and Dot are kind of forming this romantic relationship and she knows that Dot shoots Lindsay because she called to his house to visit him and he wasn't there. That's what cracks. That's what when she realizes that she's cracked the case, she's like, well, Dot doesn't have an alibi for Lindsay Denton's murder. I was being I was meant to go to his house because I maybe wanted to give him a smooch or have a chili. And then.
3: And that's she how she him, figures it all out. She let him put his foot in it. She let him yes. walk into that alibi in the glass box, quite similar to what they did to Buckles, actually. Yeah. AC-12 had obviously had a discussion about exactly where the conversation was going to go. It was going to appear to be very of the moment and that they were just following on with the questions. But she made him say, I was in my apartment. And then she turned around and said, no, you weren't, mate, because I went over to see it, and you weren't there.
1: Like it's had
2: something amazing.
1: happened? Had something happened already? Or are they just? Because I know he's. She he says. Is that why you never slacked with me? And you're like I'm pick because I didn't see that coming at all. I was like, oh right, okay.
4: But he was definitely putting the moves on her, and like she was over there one evening, and they were sitting on the sofa. It was looking a little bit cozy. He, he went bought through her flowers in 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 yeah. great detail about making a chili, you know, and how <laughs> versatile the chili was, and how you can have it, you know, in a pita one day with a bit of rice the next day. Like
2: bird's eye like potato waffles. Yeah.
4: So I mean, like he was definitely. I don't know if a chili would get you going though, but like that was Dot's way in with Kate. He was hoping for the best. Uh, but obviously it didn't come off And it paid off then for the case then in general
3: And how
1: do you guys feel about Steve in that episode? Because when I was watching oh. it back I was like, oh, Steve really annoyed me in the end And I was kind of like, yeah And like, I don't know It was just the the, the like explosion of anger every few minutes I was like, oh, I don't know if anyone would have acted like that And that maybe maybe you would have And then when the girlfriend breaks up with him in the cell You're like, Jesus, you're really having the fucking worst week you're <laughs>
3: That was, that was very awful. Harsh.
1: Yes, very awful. Yeah, very awful from the girlfriend. So she, mean.
3: Yeah, she's not. No, she's a bit crap now, and she's done a few things. They got back together in... And- series five and as soon as his back was acting up she was out the door so to be honest if I was him I'd dry her off but the first couple of seasons Steve was kind of annoying he <laughs> was this kind of like little dweeb and we talked to Martin Comston on the podcast and he sort of admitted it he was just this annoying guy in the office that was really full of himself and had no real reason to be and I think he's matured into a lovely man now I have to say coming into with the great
4: beards six. Yeah,
3: that's it Brendan as the beard grew so did Steve's maturity levels I think like, Martin
4: Compson did say he's still the office wanker that wears a waistcoat for no reason That's so I'm what I'm that, trying to he waistcoat waistcoat him the same way as us
3: I didn't know if we could curse on the podcast I didn't want to say wanker and then get, get us all in trouble <laughs> oh my god they were asking me they were actually
1: asking me they were like uh, do you need to put like a you know the way you have to put the parental advisory and I was like I swear all,
4: all the time our reputation precedes us
2: We've never done that on our
3: podcast or something. I put it on Do every you? week. No? Oh Jesus. I thought done it. <laughs> uh, I put an explicit and warning and... on our <laughs> podcast. Yeah. But I did my best to skirt around that description of Steve there as like a really annoying wanker. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh-huh. I was like, when's she gonna say somebody's fucked out a window? <laughs> okay, then we can. The floodgates are open now.
3: Apologies. <laughs> 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 Go for it. Go for it.
1: <laughs> um just like when we're talking about favourite characters who i kind of have divided it between like who's your favorite character who's bent and then who's your favorite character who's good across the series because i think that there is a huge distinction like i i don't know if it's just adrian Barr's show adrian Dunbar's show and everyone else is just kind of there are there anyone else that you'd be like no they're they're amazing
4: oh well like sue you'll know from listening to the podcast that we love a strong female lead (laughs) and for me Keely Hawes is absolutely my favorite line of duty character of all time. And I guess in the end, it was it was always a bit gray, as it always is, you know, if she's good or if she's bent. Um, so I don't know. Does she straddle both categories for that one for me? I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, she does. She's a great detective, but she did accept that money yeah. from she was for the ambush, the But she thought she was doing the right thing, but yeah. she shouldn't have
4: got involved. She was such yeah. a great character. She was a fantastic detective. She was brilliant at her job straight into the internet cafe, logging onto the emails, getting the details. And um, also great with the comebacks, like, you know, flipping glass box interview scenes back on AC12 and uh, some like brilliant clashes as well with uh, Ted, Kate and Steve looking for an apology in one of the episodes, which I just loved.
1: And for a good cop, who would you say? Good cop, bad cop, literally.
4: (sighs) Oh God. See, I think she was, she's also my good cop. Who's my good cop? I love Steve. I love Steve. Really? I think Steve's probably my good cop. Yeah, I do. I just, I think he's a sort of a lovable rogue. Like I just like the way he's shagging witnesses and kind of like (laughs) feels he's a bit more important than he actually might be. Um, and always wants to do the right thing. Like I would genuinely be floored if Steve turned out to be bent, if we get a seventh season, um, so I think Steve is my good cop. Lindsay Denton is my good and bad cop.
3: This is so interesting because we've never had this conversation on the podcast and never in a million years, Brendan, did I think you would pick Steve as your favourite good <laughs> cop. That's no, fascinating. I'm,
4: not, I'm on the spot, but there we go. I'll think of somebody else in a minute, probably. He's <laughs> looking no, at you in a
3: different light now.
4: Girl. Are you? Oh, no.
3: No, in a great way, in a great okay, way. Okay, good. Yeah, no, I think Steve. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I feel like I'm defending myself
2: no, no no, Steve. lovely Steve always wants to do the right thing Steve's the, the whole Like He gets put into anti-corruption Because he didn't want to lie So you're yeah. on You're rooting for Steve You're on Steve's side From the ep- first episode Yeah He's yeah. the
4: ultimate good cop
2: Yeah I just can't figure out How he keeps getting so many
1: women <laughs> like, oh, I can't,
2: guys. I hate just I can figure it out. He's like, Oh, everyone must be
3: looking at him being like, How does he pull so many birds? I'm like, Hell yeah, I think he's fab. It's the confidence as well. Confidence goes a million miles and he has it in spades. Like, he has a very, like, there's an ego there. Look at the car he bought himself mm. when he got his promotion and he half a promotion he got as well. He only got it because yeah, was Ted a was afraid. Temporary promotion.
4: Leave yeah
3: yeah. like was there even an email sent around about that and he was straight out buying a sports car so I can see why the girls like him as well yeah <laughs>
1: it's just I can't like I always think you know the first season when he's out with the girl from the cafe and he just he's in a oh, club yeah. and he's like locked and he has this moment of clarity like at two o'clock in the morning he's like I can't do this. And just puts his drink down and walks out. And I, like <laughs> every
4: time I watch it, And I'm pretty sure then drink so drives laugh. home. <laughs> I'm sure he drink drives. Yeah. He drives he goes, home. He, he
1: goes did. to Tony Gates' house. You're like, that's exactly right. He does. I'm like, no, sorry, Jackie oh, he does. And it.
3: catches him with the whiskey glass. You're dead, right Sue?
4: Yeah. What? Yeah, half cut. <laughs> See, the ultimate great detective. He From... can even crack cases yeah. while pissed.
1: From the club to cracking the case. Steve Arnott. Seriously, though, like it's just the, it's the moment of clarity. And then, you know, when you're watching, like, so we've been watching it back so quickly now, episode after episode, whereas before we would have been watching it week by week. And the amount of witnesses are people <laughs> he gets involved with, you're like, you are really not doing a very good fucking job.
2: <laughs> He's literally like DJ Callan, is like
3: another one like season two. <laughs> like, it is. Oh, my God. Season two is a lot of action. We had Tinder for a while. He needs to get back on it and stop meeting people through work because it's just getting him into awful trouble. I think the Steph situation now is an absolute disaster. Oh, and the, Lin- the Lindsay Jensen tape that they play back.
1: Oh,
4: like, <laughs> they really... oh, my God. Do you know what was embarrassing about that is that like he clearly was like a very unsatisfying or too gentle lover for Lindsay Jensen. <laughs> <She> <laughs>
2: like,
4: is, that... Is, that, is that Okay.
2: I mean, it's great asking for consent and everything, but like, Jesus,
4: consent is sexy. But Steve, <laughs> yeah. that was not.
1: <laughs> it's just that, like, they play way too much of it. You're just like, I got the point after 20 seconds. Oh my, my God, think-
2: t- everyone's listening to it. I mean, yeah. oh my
1: God, <laughs> oh God, stop. Um, okay, Hannah and Reb, who who's your favorites? Reb, you go ahead.
2: Um, okay, so she's not a cop, but. My favorite bad cop is Jackie Laverty. Um, because when I first watched Line of Duty, I was like, Jesus, poor Jackie Laverty. I mean, she throat slashed, caught up in a freezer, horrible death. And then I rewatched it. and I thought, oh, my goodness, Jackie Laverty is so manipulative. She, it, she had it coming in spades, as Ted would say. Yeah,
1: Jackie's great. I I, love I just the-
2: think she's iconic. Like she's, she's just, I mean, she's, she's a, what's uh, a manizer rather than a womanizer. And a she's, like, a she she's like, help a manizer. She was a lunatic. Tonic.
3: She had she no lunatic. issues. Like she literally murdered me, but had absolutely no remorse. Like he just. <laughs> She <laughs> ran over her dog And it turned out to be her accountant And not a bother on her Like he does write very interesting female characters Because a lot of other people would have to ha- Included some remorse there Some sort of breakdown She didn't give a <laughs> shite yeah, so And her- I love
4: that she was only in season one And she's still so central To <laughs> the life.
1: show. She's literally just still hanging around shit.
4: <laughs> Like you know <laughs> just limbs her appearing back. here and there Yeah <laughs>
2: Oh my God, the leg of Laverty. Yeah, so her for bad cop or else Danny Waldron. So Danny Waldron was only in one episode of series three. I mean, it. he is, Daniel Mays was incredible. The impact that he left after one episode, he was just fantastic. So Danny Waldron or Jackie Laverty for bad cop and for good cop for me, even though he had a bit of a slippery slope now at the end of series five and six is Ted Hastings. I just think Ted Hastings is the backbone of AC-12. I mean, he's the father figure of the nation. I absolutely love him. And I think his one-liners really break the ice. The show can be very tense when you're watching it. And then he says something like, Jesus, Mary and Joseph and the wee donkey and we're all in stitches. I love him.
1: Yeah, like Adrian Dunbar has really had this career renaissance That, like, because he was yeah. like, he was always like that, yeah, you know, the character actor that would turn up in the back of a bar and he's in good vibrations at a uh, Belfast film for like 10 minutes as somebody who turns up, with, like somebody who wants to buy records and you never see him again. And that's literally the character he plays all the time. And then all of a sudden, his uh, entire show is just hooked around him. Like, I think that's amazing for him. I hope he goes on to other stuff that's just as good. But who are you thinking, Hannah?
3: I think Danny Waldron is a great shout for the baddie. If I had to pick one, though, I think I'll probably go with John Corbett, Stephen Graham. I thought he was amazing. I thought he really treaded the line of terrifyingly bad. And then those moments when he was on the phone with his children crying, he would break your heart in two. That's what Stephen Graham does in everything he's in now, to be fair. But he fascinated me. And then for Goody, I'm removing Ted from the table because Rebecca picked him. And I think it's just so obvious, like he's Irish and he just (laughs) epitomizes everything good, everything integral, everything good about the police. But I'm going to go for Kate. Um, I just think she's fascinating. Number one, I love Vicky McClure. And number two, I just love Kate. The fact that we still don't know if she's bent or not. They could turn around and make her evil in season seven and it would be totally believable. But at the end of the day, she's just a really good mate to Steve. She's had a dodgy background. She hasn't always done the right thing. I mean, she was homeless for some of this season. She's really good at police work. Like when she gets her head down and she's like 100% detective, she is the best. So yeah, Kate's my good cop and John Corbett is my bad cop. Yeah, I, I'm actually, I thought one of you were going to mention Jill Bigelow because <laughs> I don't
1: think <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> the male Jiglo every time she finished. Yeah. She just drove I like she's one of my favorites because she just drove me absolutely crazy because every time you felt like you were getting somewhere, she was just like, especially in that episode that we're talking about as well. She's just blocking everything in regards to the caddy, the golf uh, stick, all of that kind of stuff. Like, why are you so involved? And she's just like effortlessly walking around, like flicking her hair and still getting away with it. You're
4: like. And exactly. Exactly. It's the way she does it. She just saunters in with the silk blouse and the blow-dried <laughs> hair and she's just like no love no no and she makes us giddy every time she appears on screen to do some of the worst stuff possible it's just like oh no love there's no corruption oh no 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 and Polly Walker just plays her so well and like I'd love to see more of her if we get a season seven have you
2: not been listening to that <laughs> I mean the glamour you know when people used to go on about Rachel's hair and friends they're like give me the Rachel I'm gonna like, give me the Jill Bigelow <laughs>
3: I think that's like it goes back to the first question you asked, which is what's so good about this show? And like a lot of shows, you'll have core main characters and they're really developed and you have a really good understanding of them. And then you have everyone else in the cast. Whereas this cast, like we could talk about Amanda Yao, Jill Bigelow, some of these sort of like peripheral characters. I know Chloe was obviously a huge part of this season. Chris Lomax like there's all of these people that are really interesting and really well developed characters Patricia Carmichael like what is going on with them like Patricia Carmichael could be your baddie or your goodie depending on where she takes season seven so there's loads of those people in there that we could just talk for ages I thought Lisa McQueen in season five was amazing as well I still don't know whether she was good or bad in the end to be honest <laughs> like Carmichael is such a good example as well because her scene questioning
1: Ted in, the la- in season six is honestly one of my favorite glass boxes, spectacles as you guys call them. I just think it's unbelievable, the over and back and the way she's able to keep going with every question. I, she's a phenomenal actress. And I was kind of delighted when they brought her in that last season. I was like, yes, she's back. She's such a
4: bitch. Yeah, she doesn't <laughs> miss a beat and everything is delivered so softly and gently, which makes her, Seem all the more terrifying and cold But I reckon if we get a season 7 She's actually going to come good Either she'll never have been bad Or she'll realise that she's actually Been trying to do the right thing For the wrong people
1: I'm going to get into it Because usually what we do in this Is like we talk about films You're actually the first show We've ever done Which is a little bit more Obviously huge But um, We're honest just... <laughs> But in terms of like How many times you guys Have seen this I know you say you watch every single episode about three times. Do you still regularly go back and watch this? Like if you f- finish a season of the podcast, do you still go back and rewatch this in your spare time? Or does it feel like work to you?
4: Personally, no, I don't go back and watch it after I've watched it three times. I haven't yet. Like, I guess maybe when, you know, if, if this is the end or if it comes to an end after seven or whatever, I'm sure there will absolutely be a time in my life where I will go back to the start and watch the whole lot but right now between 2019 and now um i've only rewatched the episodes that i have needed to to recap i haven't gone back for a leisurely the whole thing in one run
3: i'm kind of like when i like something and i I'm really into it I'll just throw it on in the background like if I'm cleaning my room I'll just throw on oh yeah I'll just watch season three episode six or I'll just throw on whatever seasons on Netflix so yeah I do now not necessarily to sit down glued to it I did watch a couple of random episodes I was convinced Tommy Hunter was coming back so I went to re-watch a bit of season two but yeah when this goes on Netflix now I'll watch it again and I'll be throwing the odd episode on kind of like probably once a month, a couple of times a month, just a comfort thing. I don't know. I'm the complete opposite. Um,
2: I feel like I have to watch Line of Duty really committed and watch it from the start to the beginning. Try figure everything out full throttle because you have to concentrate so much. I, I enjoy that aspect of it. Like I would put on Sabrina the Teenage Witch till the cows come home and have it in the background <laughs> and chilling. But with Line of Duty, I love committing to a series and then seeing all of the series connected to each other, because especially with series six, I mean, my God, like we were getting throwback after throwback. You
1: know, when you're rewatching it, your first time watching it, do you remember the first time you watched this series? Because you guys like obviously you break down every episode every week. But in terms of personal connection, you obviously have a huge personal connection to the show outside of just doing the podcast. When you first saw it, what did you think? You were like, like, you obviously didn't think you were going to end up doing a massive podcast out of it or doing 16 interviews in one day. But what was was your initial reaction?
4: Yeah, like the first time I watched it. So I think I, I watched seasons maybe one, two and three together. And then I think I watched from four onwards as it came out. And I watched it for the first time and obviously not as closely as I would now. And I just remember thinking this is... Phenomenal, being blown away by Lenny James in season one, Keely Hawes in seasons two and three. And obviously, uh, the episode we've all mentioned there at the end of season three, episode six, with Dot's, uh, well, it wasn't the dying declaration then, but Dot dying after Kate hanging out the side of the van. Um, I just thought it was unbelievable. And I wondered why I hadn't seen it or heard of it before. Uh, season 3 had finished
3: So Brendan you actually got me into it I don't know if Rebecca is the same But my experience of watching it has always been connected to you guys Because you were like you will love this show Like that was a big part of the foundation of our friendship Is that we were really into the same programs And you were like how have you not seen Line of Duty So I missed the first three seasons live I came to it when Season 4 was on the telly So by the time we sort of watched that and talked about it The podcast was like not the natural next step, but it kind of came pretty organically after that. So I can't even really remember what it was like to watch the first ones. All my memories are just of talking to you guys and then that all gets mixed up with what was on the podcast and what wasn't. (laughs) Oh my God. So I... Too many
4: gill and tonics. Yeah,
3: (laughs) I now had like a save, guys. It's the pandemic as well. I've no memory left.
2: (laughs) So I actually watched Bodyguard... Uh, from Hannah and Brendan's recommendation before I ever watched Line of Duty. So Bodyguard is written by Jed Mercurio and it came out in 2018, 18, I think. Yeah. So I was one of the annoying people who watched Bodyguard first and then everyone was like, Jesus, how have you not seen Line of Duty? So I remember going to on holidays to New York and I got the flu and I came home and I was so raging like I hadn't been on a holiday basically for the whole year and I was wrecked and I was sick and Brendan was like, "You now is the perfect time to watch seasons one to four of Line of Duty because Series 5 is coming back next year and they're all on Netflix so I went oh my god amazing this is going to be the show that I'll get into and when I was in college I had done my thesis on the killing um, the, oh, yeah. the original killing so the Scandinavian one um, and Sarah Lund is one of the most amazing female detectives on TV ever I was absolutely obsessed with her so once I started watching Line of Duty I mean I was getting Sarah Lund vibes from Lindsay Dent and I mean Maybe Sarah Lund was based on Lindsay Denton. I don't know. Um, but I was absolutely hooked from the get-go. And we had watched Bodyguard every episode together in one of our houses. So it, when Line of Duty came back, it did feel like the most natural step for us because we were all so invested in that type of show to just do a podcast about it.
1: And has it changed with you? Like, have you gone... Do you see new t- new things every time you go back and watch it? Is there some things that you're like, oh my god, I'm so much more mature yes, now again? Yes, Stu,
4: we do, and I'll give you I'll give you the standout example of that. Uh, for example, in season one, somebody takes a shit in Steve Arnott's car. It is it's 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 fully there, Sue. If you recently rewatched it, I'm sure you will have seen it. None <laughs> of us had seen the shit in Steve's car until Hannah very kindly did a recap. And I don't think it was even our first recap of season one. So now... By the way, we all missed more than once that somebody <laughs> took a shit in Steve Arnott's car. I think so yes, we stand, missed up all the time.
3: The standout example is we, and you pointed it out, Brandon, the other day, last august didn't know who buckles was he's in seasons Mm -hmm. one and four he has really important roles to play in both of those seasons and when he was coming back we were like pronouncing his name wrong and all on the podcast and i mean (laughs) we have all watched this show for hours between the three of us. And we were like, who's Bubbles? Who's that guy that Jed's... <laughs> yeah,
4: I think we did call him <laughs> Bubbles. And I had to Google in the middle of recording that podcast and eventually I went, oh yeah, yeah, no, I know him now. He was in when Kate got put in on... um." Uh, Ros Huntley's case He yeah. was in there And Ted pulled him Down a dark laneway And none of us knew
3: What you were talking about You
4: know but yeah no I knew that bit then But other than that I had no a clue who Buckles He's was He's
2: very in the background In series one though It's so so clever But uh, also Jed Mercurio Before When they were filming Series six And they were re-showing Series one On BBC one Jed tweeted about Buckles And we were re-recording The
1: podcast then And we were like Who's he <laughs> He is very in the background, actually. I think that's why they did. I'm one of those people that was kind of satisfied with the end. And when they brought in Buckles, I was like, oh, of course, it's going to be some pick that they wouldn't have even paid attention to. That makes total sense.
4: Very in the background, but very there. He was like the senior investigating officer in Jackie Laverty's case. We saw him on the golf course with Tommy Hunter. He was the person that let Dot into the back of that prison van to speak with Tommy Hunter. So he was in the background, but he was also literally right under our noses.
1: Yeah, like, were you like, I know you guys were saying about the drama that you didn't think there was enough drama, but you were satisfied enough with Buckles being the person.
3: Oh, it makes complete sense. And Jeb McCurio writes every episode, he writes episode to episode. So he didn't sit down and write season three and have a plan of where season six was going. So he sort of had to look back in between seasons five and six and go, right, who is the fourth man? And I think Buckles was a really clever choice because. It gave us what we wanted, which was we wanted to be able to rewatch the season and for bits to jump out at us, such as Buckles letting Dot into the back of the van to talk to Tommy Hunter, Buckles being on the golf course with Tommy Hunter when Tony Gates caught him, stuff like that, where you go back and now you look at it differently because you're like, of course, it makes complete sense. I think we kind of summarized, what my feelings anyway, no issues with Buckles being the fourth man. I just wish it was revealed in a more exciting way. Yeah,
1: they were very yeah. lacklustre the
3: drama. Sorry, Rebecca,
2: go ahead. No, what, what I was going to say there was that uh, Jed Mercurio did an interview about Buckles being the fourth man and he said that, you know, everyone had built up this criminal mastermind in their heads and it turned out just to be someone who's been there since series one, someone who's lazy and greedy and incompetent and just basically kept saying, yeah, and going for basically having an easy ride, having a nice house, doing whatever. And he ended up being the fourth man. But like corruption doesn't end there. And he isn't the one pulling the strings. He's just the puppet taking the fall.
1: Yeah. It, it, like if it ends like that and that's it, are you guys happy with it? Or would you be like, you should have moved this on in some way or Carmichael, you know, should be in season seven or is it fine? Is it satisfying for you?
4: I'm satisfied with the fourth man thing. But if that was to be the end, I would have rewritten after the last box. Definitely. And I would like to have wrapped up more with Ted's forced retirement, I would like to have known more whether the all the anti-corruption units were being merged or not. I just, if that was the the end, I would have liked it to have been more final. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah I, I hope another it's not episode. The end. Yeah, yeah, I, d- I wouldn't be satisfied. Like. I'll move on and we'll just go, oh yeah, that was fine. And, you know, I'm not going to become obsessed with it, but it wasn't an ending, I don't think, really. Um, I think we need to see much more definitive. Like there's still loose ends and stuff, so but we we'll definitely feel like they just didn't want to come back and write it rather than it being the natural end to the story.
4: Yeah, like the last words on the screen were, you know, the AC-12's powers yeah. to investigate corruption have never been weaker. Like dot, dot, dot. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Yeah, I agree with you actually to a certain extent. I kind of feel like if it was the end, I'm okay with it being the end as well. And like if you suddenly went back and none of those characters were in it and it's 10 years later or something, there's a new AC unit and you start again, grand. But I just don't, I think I kind of agree with you guys as well about the corruption stuff that it's just never going to end. It's just going to go on and on and on. And just to go back for two seconds to the the characters, because we were talking about Dot. In terms of, it's it's funny, he's one of the people that's never really put onto the list oh as... God. How
2: did
3: we not say Dot as one of the best bad cops?
1: I mean, oh my he's God, a bloody yeah. caddy. Like. No, we're <laughs>
3: dopes. This is wrong, yeah Seriously. Dopes. So we put him in the list as the best one.
4: <laughs> yeah. How did we not think of that?
3: That's exactly what I was just thinking, because I just don't think he's on a lot of people's
1: lists in general. But I I really, watching that back was like... No, he's amazing.
4: Yeah, Yeah. he's brilliant. I don't know why we didn't
1: say that. Is it because we know... Yeah, I think
2: with with Doc Cotton, is it because we know that he is bent from basically the get-go from the very end of Series 1 when he does ask to speak to Tommy Hunter in the back of the van? Is that why we don't... We know he's a baddie the whole time? I don't know. Anyway, Doc Cotton was absolutely iconic. Him trying to plant the money in Steve's gym bag, (laughs) him switching the plates on the car him what else did he do oh the, scene, oh the caddy in the, the ca- yeah and also the when he's, in, he's, in,
4: he's in one of the briefing rooms and he's like oh and he's got like he's literally on the board writing a description of Steve he's like oh he's got this kind of an accent Friends, and he this, made a this, powerpoint
3: display and stood up in front of him, <laughs> him and was like I believe the caddy is a short brown haired man from South London who works like the audacity who might and grow gumption. a gorgeous
4: beard by season six literally uh, was like
3: Nigel Morton yeah, they were yeah. It was com- comedy as well As absolutely That's like Towering murder And actually, do you know what?
4: Apart from Patricia Carmichael This season I feel like we were Lacking comedy She yeah. brought the laughs For me And apart from that You know, I really we were missing An really Nigel missed, Morton
3: That we, type of we
4: I miss Bigelow. Bigelow Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, bring them all back. We know Jill's in witness protection, not as glamorous as Joe Davidson, but yeah, we would love if Jill Bigelow made a return.
4: I think the problem for us Sue, is that we've become so close to at this point. We we very strong opinions on who we think should be brought back in terms of character, what storylines we think should be, we should, be pick, should be picked back up and where those characters and storylines should go. So, unless that exact thing happens, I think it's going to be really hard to impress us, which is no fault of Jeb Mercurio's or Line of Duty. It's only our own. uh, No, it's literally
3: his story to tell. But at the end of the day, I'm like, you have created Nigel Morton. You've given him a fake limp. You've sent him to Spain. Like, it just let him. (laughs) Hannah, we made up that he's in Spain.
4: That's yeah, my we, made we made that up We made that He's up. in
3: his back garden The last we saw him was he <laughs> We're living in our own reality At this stage But I'm like come on It's so perfect Just bring him back Let him have an affair with Jill Just let it all happen Did It'll we make amazing. up That he's in Spain yeah, no guys He's guys, not in Spain I we went on the BBC so.
4: I'd say 25 times Over the last 7 weeks And said, <laughs> and said that The IP address is in Spain Nigel Port's in Spain <laughs> <laughs>
2: Maybe, Maybe Jed boy. thinks he's in Spain At this stage <laughs> to be honest We just thought Nigel Would go to Marbella With the money that he
3: got From all the disability benefits <laughs> it makes complete
1: sense, oh my God, I hope yes. he tried to hide it in some way <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, I think like that's such a good idea actually in terms of characters who've come back like Jill Bigelow, Tommy Hunter, like I don't I can't, I can't really think of anyone else that you like obviously there's a lot of them dead as well like To Lindsay's gone
3: yeah, Tommy has to
1: come back Roz
4: Huntley could come back. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah, she was, she was Mike great.
4: Dryden could come back.
3: Like they brought Jimmy well back. That was funny, but he wasn't, he wasn't as funny as he wasn't. Like he's very dry.
4: No, he looked great though, didn't he? He looked
3: fantastic. But so they have to bring Tommy Hunter back for season seven. It's so clever. It's wide open. You'll get your big EastEnders moment of someone that we all thought was dead walking through the door. Like it's perfect drama. I, I just hope they do. Do you wonder they'll all be screaming. now,
4: do you wonder if, you know, because obviously there has been like, Quite a reaction, like from both sides. Do you wonder if Jeb Mercurio will? bow to people who looked for more drama or is he like me now and he'd be really stubborn and go I'm never writing another dramatic scene ever all you're getting is dialogue I like, don't think Jared or-
3: bows to anyone just based on a quick browse of his Twitter I think he does exactly <laughs> no. what he wants so um, I don't think we'll, anyone would be able to like he has the story in his head and he's telling it no matter what I'm fair play yeah. to him it's his story it's his show that's exactly what it should be that's the truth of the story I do not think he'd bow to anyone whereas I would be bending over backwards to please people <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be urgent eggs It'd required. Be immunity, <laughs> Below in the budget on the cast, I'd have everyone back: handy Newton, everyone. <laughs> All the dead ones bring on back. I'll on, be like Newton. the end of a panto, rolling everyone in.
4: <laughs> Gina McKee, how are you? A
3: no, lot, Brendan. It Absolutely, picks. literally going through tweets and writing them down. <laughs>
1: That's the problem he's going to have, though. I kind of feel sorry for him because you do want something like that to go out in a high. Like it's like the Graham Lenihan thing, you know, the way he skips out of something in season four, like you left all the it crowd. You want to leave something behind you. That's uh, like who was it that was saying you start to think about your legacy? Was that what Martin Compton was saying? I thought Martin that was Compton really Compton said that. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really interesting because you do at that stage you've got a series that's so mad popular. Do you just say I? You know, we're never going to get to this point again. Like
4: well they could leave it at season six episodes four and five really couldn't they (laughs) they were very good
3: I think he'll do one more and I think I honestly think season seven is going to be a masterpiece I do think he'll put so much work into it and I think it'll probably be three years until we see it and I reckon it'll probably go out then because like that you do want to go out on a high you don't want to leave the season when the ratings start dropping like that sort of thing so I'd love to see one more and I'd love to it to be miraculous and then we just leave it there yeah, like
2: 12 million people watched the finale and probably more a couple million more on the iPlayer after that. Yeah. Like are you going to leave it there? Yeah, you want to go out in a high, but people want more and he also left the story open to more. Yeah. I think he maybe he finished it like it could be the end, but then if he wants to do more he can, which yeah. is very clever. So he'll do it on his terms when
1: he wants. <laughs> um the glass box spectaculars which would be the one that you like, I, I know we're talking about that particular episode. So the dot one, It like I got so excited when he took out the phone and I knew the urgent exit required was about to happen. I was like, this is going to be absolutely amazing, even though I knew it was happening. And it still holds up that it's one of the best. I love the Steve Arnett one and I love the Lindsay Denton one. But what's your favorites? Which ones do you like? Oh, my God, my heart was in my mouth
4: the entire time for that.
1: Rod yeah, Hudley. You-
4: Oh, yeah, that's a great one. She was
3: a brilliant one because she comes in there with everything planned. She wasn't she was slightly like Lindsay Denton, where she was so intelligent. She was always two steps ahead of AC12. So any move that they tried to make, she had something to back herself up again and again and again. So that glass box went from thinking that she was fucked, to be honest, to she just owned them all. Oh, like it was so good. That's my absolute favorite. Yeah, I loved that. I loved how Hilton had given her that inside info
2: as well. So she knew that Ted had only, you know, um, what's the word? Promoted
3: a certain number of female officers. And she, she only got, got that insider basins. info because she, T- Hilton was trying to sleep with her. So she basically exactly. used his fragile masculinity against him and then turned it all back on Ted. It was iconic. I do.
2: I loved Jill's one as well when she sent the message and no one came. Yeah. And then Tina tried to stab <laughs> her in the bathroom and the hair flick. Like that was all shocking.
3: It was a disaster of a glass box, wasn't it? <laughs> it
4: was. Tumbleweed. It was shambolic, yeah. And I think my favorite, obviously like dots, I think it's just the ultimate best. Yeah. But I loved Lindsay Denton's because again, and she was just before Roz Huntley, but she flipped it. She, had, she lined up all her ducks in a row. Row and then went oh what's this I've got this what's this do you want me to play this no you don't
2: I would have loved to have seen Ryan Pilkington in a glass box mm. but I thought that uh, Kelly MacDonald Joe Davidson even though she said no comment a hundred million times I thought her vulnerability that she showed that tear that she shed when she found out about Tommy Hunter being her dad as well as her uncle. I mean, it was heartbreaking to watch. It's a different type of, yeah. of interview, but um, yeah, equally as, as good television.
4: I don't know at how Earth. clever Ryan would have been in the glass box. I don't think he would have been quick enough.
2: No, I would have loved to have seen him break down though because Ryan has been involved in all of that. Like he didn't really have a choice. Yeah. He was born into that almost, you know? And yeah, I would have, I would have loved to have seen it in a way, but then at the same time, I mean, in that shootout, I'm glad that Ryan the Bent Bastard is gone because I wanted Kate to survive.
3: The first Buckles one was good as well when he was crying and he was like, I don't know. I don't know why I don't know. I thought that was brilliant. And then Danny Walton somewhere where he was coming in on a mad one going, there's 17 <gasps> people sitting behind me and two doors. I... And you're there with He mad. loves that.
4: It oh was,
3: my God. He was like, nowhere. he <laughs> was crazy. He was, oh my God, he was like studying for the Leaving cert. He memorized <laughs> everything. What an impact that man had and he was only in the show for 60 minutes. If there's any way we could bring him back, I'd love to see it. The glass box is amazing because I went back and watched um the first
1: season again. And you have that shitty office they were in when they were interviewing Tony Gates. She you was know the one that was like, yeah, like the corner yeah. of the building. Like, what are they doing in there? That looks crap. And you forget that it's such an important thing to be sitting in the middle of that room in the glass box and the tension of it. And it was shit with Tony Gates. It was so bad. And you watch it back, you're like, oh, this really is yep. being There I was heard, no, um...
4: no beeps on the DIR until I think uh, season three. And it's, yeah, like you said, it's really important to be able to see, like even in this uh, season when we eventually saw Buckles uh, as the fourth man, the camera kept cutting outside the glass box uh, to the AFO. And it I just left that question marker going, oh my God, are we going to get an urgent exit required? And even seeing, you know, like Sheila in the background photocopying a sheet while there's this real tense thing going on in the middle. Like (laughs) it's just, it adds to it.
3: I heard Martin Comston talking about Lenny James, actually, who played Tony Gates and how he sort of made the glass boxes what they are today. He, He loved those scenes and he actually always spoke about them kind of being like a stage play. And he made everyone... Learn their lines off. So rather than say doing a little bit and then cutting it and then having more because so much dialogue, he was like, "No, guys, we're gonna learn it all and we're gonna do it in one in like one or two takes as if we were performing in front of an audience." So now that everyone that goes in for a glass box spectacular has to know all their lines, and that's thanks to Lenny James from all the way back in season one. It's that's incredible, awesome.
2: and once I heard that Hannah and I was what like I've watched it. Do you know what I mean? And I rewatched the uh, series six episode six. Uh, I appreciate it even more. And then I understood as well why when Martin Compton was on Shrine of Duty and said that when Adrian Dunbar just completely lost it and started talking <laughs> about animals instead of, um, <laughs> what you know, the case. Um, can you imagine that tension that you'd feel? And then if you start getting the giggles, you're just
3: set off. But that's another amazing thing about the show, because that is like a little stage play. Like you could lift that. There's absolutely nothing going on other than people sitting around a table talking. And you could literally lift that up and put it on a stage and have it be the same thing. And they've done a 29-minute interview in this season, the longest one they've ever done. And like we call it the glass box spectacular. Everyone has their own word for it. It's become this thing now where you're like, oh, I want to see Ryan Pilkington's glass box. I want to see Joe Davidson's glass box. It's a thing with the show now that it's like, okay, let's get this guest lead into the glass box. Let's see what they have to give. It's so exciting. Have you guys seen um, Criminal?
4: That's on no. Netflix. Yeah. Oh, I think I tried it, David Tennant. Yeah.
1: Yeah, David Tennant's in one, yeah. but I always Lisa felt like the they Queen's just... in one. She is. And so the who's in the Hayley Atwell is in the first series and she's brilliant. Sharon Horgan is in it as well. Sharon Horgan's one okay. is brilliant. So, oh, guys, it's yeah, it's so basically
3: good. a different, it's kind of like a glass box. That's what but, I always felt like that they, they yeah. just ripped
1: off the glass box
3: spectacular and just
1: put it into this own its own series, but it's but so they could good. bring
3: that on stage and tour it. I think it'd be fascinating. So it's essentially a guest lead for every episode. It's a brilliant story, and it's a team of interrogators, one of which is um Elisa McQueen from Line of Duty Rashinda Sandal, and they just try and break this person down and loads of really famous people have done it like David Tennant and stuff and it's just fascinating because it's all language it's all dialogue and words and it's like chess moves with words and then you just get to see if they're guilty or not at the end and you change your mind about 25 times in every episode I must give it another go yeah I have to watch it and then they did a cool thing where they um, they released I think it was four episodes was it two and they done four in Spanish four in French four in German and then four in English yeah really interesting they're all on Netflix
1: like I just think every time I watch it I'm like somebody looked at Line of Duty and went that's the best bit rip that out yes put it in somewhere I totally
3: agree yeah exactly
1: (laughs) The On the TV test We always ask people About this So if you tune, If you turn on your TV And Line of Duty's on Randomly like it was For me a couple of weeks ago And I suddenly got involved In an Lindsay Jenten episode again And I was like I just watched this last week How am I watching this again? Um, Are you watching it again? Or are you going to, Are you like No I can't I have to watch it From the very beginning?
4: Oh if there's a random episode On the telly I think I yeah. would definitely Watch it Yeah because it that would feel Like a real novelty to me yeah. If I was just flicking through And like if I came across like, you know, Jackie Laverty in her gorgeous mansion or if I like had stumbled upon that Lindsay Denton episode, I'd absolutely sit down. And you know what, Sue? That then would probably make me Mm -hmm. go back, find that series on Netflix or if if I've got it recorded and I would probably get stuck back in. Yeah.
3: That's a great question because it is a complete novelty. Like obviously we all got to pick and choose exactly what we want to watch and listen to and it's all specialised just to our needs but it's kind of great when you turn on the telly and something you like is just on and you're like that's my evening now picked for me
2: I'd be the exact same I mean if I saw Lindsay Denton flash up on the TV I'd be totally engrossed <laughs> I'd have to watch the whole series I'd have to listen to our own podcast back to remind myself <laughs> of what's going on I'd say what did I think of Jackie Laverty in season one <laughs> <laughs> I'm like lovely woman got into a terrible life of crime watched a few weeks later I was like absolute wench
1: And in terms of Hangover, we always ask people this. And I remember like some of the ones that we've asked people are like really traumatic films. There's no way you'd watch and you're hungover. But would you sit down with like four episodes of this, you're hungover or is it just too much to take?
4: It wouldn't be Hangover telly for me, Sue. My go to (laughs) is uh, Gavin and Stacey. I don't I wouldn't be looking for Line of Duty if I'd had a few minute Jill and Tonics the night before. No. (laughs)
3: I do it, guys. I don't know if I'm fucked in the head. I would have male a seasonal line of duty with a hangover now in a Chinese. I think that is literally the perfect day and I'd love it with lashing outside. Couldn't ask for anything more. Oh, uh, no. Do you know what? With the
2: hangover, I uh, no, I don't. I don't think I'd go to it straight away. Now, if it was on the TV and I was hungover, I would watch it. But I wouldn't choose it to watch hungover. I would probably just stick on The Real Housewives of New York or
1: Beverly Hills, to be honest with you. <laughs> Absolute shite. <laughs> drivel. Drivel. I, I feel the same way about it. I just think it's one of those things, like, especially that episode that we've all said is our favorite. That it's the tension in that that keeps building and Dash trying to cover his tracks. Constantly. Like the bit where he's in the bathroom and there's Lindsay Denton's ghost and he's trying to flush the same car down the toilet. And you're like, oh,
2: yes. oh my God,
1: this is. like Oh, my God. Like, he said,
2: I'm I'm done now. Like, this is the last one. And I'm like, "Dot, you're never getting out of that situation. You're the bleeding caddy. There's no escaping.
1: <laughs> and it's just so traumatic. I was like, I was actually thinking, I was like, I couldn't do this. I'm over. I'd be, shaking. I'd be like,
2: <laughs> freezing. <laughs> and oh, my she- God. You'd be sweating in the Penny's
1: pajamas, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> Stop. Um and before we go, I'm gonna have to ask you: Are you ever gonna do a rewatch, like as in, would you do series one to four episode by episode, like you did for the rest?
4: I Who want to answer so. that question?
3: I don't think so, because
4: we have had
3: this conversation <laughs> before, and. I think what works best about the podcast is us watching it live and not having a clue what's going on, being three dopes trying to figure it out. And then everyone else sending us in emails trying to figure it out and like reading stuff in the press. I think that's what works for us. Like we obviously did go back over lockdown and record um, recaps of seasons one to four, but we kind of needed those recaps going into the sixth season.
4: So did Martin Compton, my love.
3: Oh my God, <laughs> I did. know. So not to speak for all of us, but I don't know if that'd be a go or what do you guys think?
4: No, uh, Sue, so there's, I know it sounds like, and, and we do, um, we don't have a clue what we're talking about, but like it, it is a lot of work. The yeah. recaps are a lot oh, of work. Oh, I can work.
1: imagine. Yeah.
4: You've got to watch an episode three times. Uh, you know, you're pausing, you're time. playing, you're watching with subtitles. Um, there's, there's a lot of work involved in doing an episode by episode recap. So I, I, I don't think that we would go back and do each episode ever made. No.
2: Okay. Controversial. I would you're do it. Rebecca's going go wrong? back. <laughs> you <laughs> could convince me. Shrine of Reb and Hannah and Brendan when he decides that he'll <laughs> we'll just talk you know, him around. Him a yeah,
4: you just, need a break. you just need a
1: break, Brendan.
2: <laughs> I'll give him a few Jill and tonics. He'll be all chat. Now, I would do it would only you? if we were in another lockdown because oh. I felt like I really could give him 100% of my attention. But no, we won't hopefully be in another lockdown. No, I they feel like.
3: Us now, this is the last one. Yeah, so this hopefully is
2: <laughs> It was lovely to have Line of Duty though as a companion in the second lockdown. And we went back and rewatched it because it was like a familiar friend that mm. makes you feel stressed, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> because it take it away from yeah. you? Like that, the low, like I just, I have to do TV pics every week. So I have to review so much TV that you get to a point where you get to Thursday night and you're finished all your reviews and you're like, thanks be to God, I don't have to watch another TV show. Like, does it get to that point for you? Like, you're like, no, I can't, I just can't, I can't look at this anymore.
4: <laughs> Personally, for me, Sue, I'm at that point just right now with this. Because we've had eight weeks this of it. it's, been, it's this moment, it's this it's your podcast, Sue. Yeah. That's what's done it. Um, Push you over the edge, I'm 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 happy for, for this to be over for now, but I will be really like I'll be the first person to like get excited for a season seven if we're told that it's gonna happen. But right now, I think it's you know the podcast is 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 over for now. The series is over for now, so I just need to sleep for a little while. So I'm just having a moment where I, I'm done with it. But I'll be really excited to do it again soon.
3: Yeah. Now I never get sick of it, but I am happy to um, take a little break now and kind of see what the next thing is. And then when they start to like, they'll announce season seven. I'm sure of it, and news will trickle down, and we'll get really really excited again. Yeah,
2: guys. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like live like TV. There's nothing like chatting to your pals about it in work or wherever and being so obsessed with it. And there's nothing like the community of Line of Duty fans. The people who listen to our podcast are absolutely gas. Yeah, a gas and
3: creative and like amazing, really well written. So and observant, like quick witted, intelligent, fab people. So, yeah, hopefully now we can all move on to the next show that we like together and that we still actually get to keep that community for whatever we podcast in between now and season seven. Thank you so much for doing this with me today. And as a personal thank you as well, when I
1: was watching Line of Duty during lockdown and I'm 15 weeks pregnant now and I Aww, was... Congrats, congrats <laughs> Congratulations. I was dying and Line of Duty and your podcast got me through every week and it was just something to look forward to because I was so sick for about 10 weeks. Uh-huh. So I was
4: like, yes. Oh, Sue. So
1: thank you so much for keeping me entertained and keeping everyone else now because I got my husband listed. I was saying to Brendan last week. My husband's now listening to the podcast as well and he wasn't at the start and he, he was about 20 minutes ahead of me in the last episode so he was in <laughs> one room listening to it and was like and I was like don't come in here I can't I'm not there yet so you can't I'm not at the Can you here. imagine <laughs> you hear and help me Tony 15 times you're like I'm not there yet Oh help me Tony is a new saying in our like so many <laughs> of <the> things that you <laughs> say it's
3: really fun to say I'm a bit addicted to saying it now, I have to say.
1: <laughs> You'll have to release like merchandise with all of your things that you say, like glass box Spectacular and stuff. It'll be amazing. Anyway, thank you so much for your time. And I hope to hear you again soon. <laughs> thank you, Sue.
4: Thanks, Sue. Thanks. Such a nice Bye. chat.
1: Thank you so much for having us and have a lovely weekend.